Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Star Family Wisdom Podcast. We are so glad you're here with us today. I'm Jenna Layden, the founder of Star Family Wisdom and a former Global Vice President for Whole Foods Market. I'm Sinead Willihan. I'm a former public school special needs educator and, and uh, social justice activist and currently the Star Family Wisdom Podcast co-host. We're bringing you some paradigm-busting, world-turning information here on the podcast. Uh, we really like to inspire you with ideas and information, conversations that we have between ourselves and with other people about what's going on in the world today and how we can really improve ourselves as human beings in order to help ourselves, others, the planet, and the galaxy beyond. And today's conversation is getting pretty galactic. We're having Adam Apollo on, and this is a special two-part episode because it's a juicy conversation. So tune in for the next one as well. But Adam Apollo is a visionary leader on earth. He is someone who has remembered many of his past lives off planet and has integrated that understanding into his life here on earth. He's also very advanced in some ways because he is a physicist, a scientist, and works to bridge science and spirituality in a way that serves the planet. He's worked with some uh, very well-known figures like Nassim Haramein, and uh, he's really focused on quantum tech and superliminal tech. Um, he owns a company called Superliminal Systems, and uh, he also is focused on data, and Adam is bridging so many different aspects of tech, science, spirituality in his work. He also educates and trains people on energetics and how we can evolve ourselves as humans, as souls. And uh, today's conversation is, is really special because we talk a little bit about soul bonds and how Adam and I happened to meet just a couple of months ago in what felt like a very synchronistic moment where there was this moment of recognition and knowing between us, which was very similar to how Sinead and I met, right? Where it was like this instant soul knowing. And, and so fast forward, we're having this conversation today on you know much broader topics, but, but a lot of it does center around our soul connections and, and the other aspects of ourselves and lives we've experienced out there beyond this planet. Yes, yeah, Adam really does a beautiful job in part one and part two, but especially with regard to part one, he, he does such a beautiful job of expressing how spirituality occurs within scientific practice and within the practice of physics or even just in normal life um, circumstances like going through college and observing human nature around you and observing what feels like it makes sense and what feels like it doesn't make sense. Why is that the case? Investigating further, so on. He's talking about so many different ways of, of really engaging in inquiry in life, right? He's someone who's always been questioning and wondered why things are this way. And this doesn't feel right. Like he gave an example in this part one of, uh, you know, being in elementary school after having moved with his mother to another part of the country, which was right after a really traumatic family event. So he was feeling kind of shook up and goes to this brand new school, has to make new friends. And the, you know, the most popular guy is the biggest bully, the meanest person who walks around taking power from everyone else. And Adam, the kid is standing there looking at this person and thinking, how come they are the one that people are following? 
why why is everyone kowtowing to this person this horrible person like what is going on right and I really really related to that experience I know you did as well we both have talked about what it's been like growing up as children and just feeling confused about you know even older even adults you know feeling confused about why human beings behave the way that they do so Adam talks so beautifully from his own experience of inquiry, personal inquiry and observing his environment naturally and organically through growing up, but then also being able to apply that natural um, questioning nature that he has and the commitment into building this incredible career. And he's connecting with such amazing people. You know, he's doing really amazing work overall. And it's so cool how, you know, he had the, he had some really big experiences that, led him to unpacking more about our reality, right? You know, so we, we all kind of go through those phases of what's going on here? <laughs> like, what, why are things the way they are here on earth? This is weird. Like, this is, this doesn't feel right. And, and then some people end up having, you know, these supernatural experiences that crack open, right? The truth of who we are and our reality and help us, help us just gain a better understanding of maybe why things, you know, are the way they are, why things happened the way they did. Um, and so he's done a lot of really deep exploration on that. And I think has so much wisdom to share about that exploration and about his personal journey. You know, we talk about mental health even in this episode where, you know, when some of these ex experiences, these extraordinary experiences happen, it's very easy for us to su suppress them, right, or deny them. And that's how many of us were raised, right, or taught, right, to deny, ridicule, whatever. And he took a real hard look at that and has come to a different, you know, understanding, right, of what those experiences are and, and what maybe some aspects of mental health issues are. And, and so I think, you know, we, we touch on some really important subjects here. And, um, you know, I also want to say we're not doctors here, you know, read our, read our disclaimer if you have any questions about, um, you know, our uh, wisdom and what we offer on the podcast, but, uh, but know that there is so much good science and research and evidence in place that is helping us reframe and reevaluate, you know, both our, our physical issues, our mental issues, right, and help, helps us understand this more holistic perspective of life, ultimately, and Adam, you know, has arrived at that holistic perspective and, and does such a beautiful job sharing about it. He really does. I mean, he, I, I love that. I love that he's clearly a spiritually evolved person and has put a huge amount of work into establishing a, a, a relationship with himself and a spiritual relationship with the universe around him before he even went into investigating things on a much deeper level, whether it was through science or technology. He knew that he needed to have that foundation in, his, in himself first. And you and I really appreciate that in terms of anyone we have on this podcast. You know, that is the attitude we want to present as someone who is talking about these unusual, extraordinary things that are also very grounded people who have, you know, real experiences that they can communicate to us in a way that we can relate to that makes sense, you know, and then connect it to um, practicalities and life and ways we can be in the 3D. And Adam really just, yeah, he's, 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 got a specialness about him in that way you know I don't like really using the word special because we're all special in our own way but um he's got he's got a talent you know he definitely has an ability for um communicating what he knows in a really impactful way and that is such an incredible gift and skill to have 
Um, so I was thinking about what you were mentioning earlier about mental health and how he talked about, you know, the shock that he went through at 10 years old with the family car accident that occurred and they lost two family members. And then he had to move with his mother to the other side of the country and, you know, they were rebuilding their lives. And he could have, we were talking about mental health and what causes mental illness. You know, some of it is trauma that occurs here in this life. <clears throat> some of it is chemical makeup or biology that we come into. Um, you know, it can be for many different reasons, but he was looking at himself even at that young age and the reaction he was having to the trauma that had occurred in the family and the reaction he had to, I think, being bullied at school or witnessing bullying being done, you know, witnessing children exemplifying that that desire for power right and taking that from someone else which of course they see modeled in adults so it just sounds like he's been remarkably observant from a very young age and was able to take experiences that he had in his life that were traumatic or not and sort of integrate them in his inquiry process right into like observing himself going through certain things so he's he's very he's a smarty pants he's so intelligent <laughs> He really yeah, has such yeah. smart sense. Yeah. And I love that he's doing a Jedi training. He doesn't mention this during the episode, but he's doing Jedi training. Um, he's just so cool. Yeah. I love yeah. it. And I think, yeah. I think that's such a, a great testament to the work we do, right? When we do that work to really observe ourselves, understand our makeup and where that came from, you know, whether that's early life trauma, past life trauma, stuff that we need to heal and resolve you know, when you take a deep, hard look and you do that work, it can unlock so much for you, right? It can unlock this um, perspective of reality that is so much more beautiful. And he shares examples of what that journey has been like. And so I'm really excited for the audience to hear that. And I think, you know, for anyone who's maybe in that space of not experiencing, you know, life and all of its beauty every day, I think Adam brings a, a really helpful perspective, you know, hopeful and helpful perspective um, on that and on that ability to transform and, and unlock new aspects of ourselves. So, so I'm excited for you all to hear this part one of the interview and chat with Adam, Adam Smarty Pants, Apollo. <laughs> we, we love you, Adam. <laughs> um, everyone, don't forget to like and subscribe and rate and review if you're on the podcast apps. If you're not on YouTube yet, you can watch us on YouTube. So jump over there, leave us, some, leave us the comments. We want to hear from you. It's been so fun connecting and let us know uh, what you thought about this episode please please do everyone we really love being uh connected to you and we want to hear more from you about what you're enjoying what you'd like to see more of stay in touch with us so we really hope that you love this episode and we'll see you on the other side we'll see you on the other side and when you start okay Welcome everyone. We are here today with Adam Apollo and we are super excited to welcome him to the podcast and have some fun conversation about a lot of things galactic and spiritual and also some down to earth things that are, are going on in our worlds right now. And Adam is a visionary leader, CEO, founder, 
board member, galactic ambassador, physicist. <laughs> what am I missing? I feel like you wear so many hats, Adam. You, <laughs> you truly are this like modern day renaissance man in that way. And I'm just so excited to share you with our audience. So maybe you can just talk a little bit um, to kick us off about how did you get to the point where you are wearing so many hats and, yeah, and talk to us about, yeah, and talk to us about like, what do you do in the world? What do you do in the sure. world? With all of those hats. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, you know, the universe is a diverse and complex ecosystem of ideas and feelings and currents and action plans and my life has been sort of a dance among different rivers in order to better understand each of their origins, to, to get to know the different springs which give forth so many of the ideas that we hold as people and the pathways that got us to where we are here on the planet. And I, I don't really think that we can do whole systems change unless we embrace all the different facets of the system, right? And that means looking at our philosophies and our psychology around things and understanding the fundamentals of the physics of the universe that give rise to the different dynamics we witness, and particularly energetic dynamics, which rolls over into relationship studies and looking at uh, sociocultural studies and the anthropology of humans' journey over time, right? All of these things I think are are really, really important. And so I wear the kind of scientist hat in a lot of those spaces. Um, and, you know, I also wear other hats, you know, as an ambassador and as a tech CEO and entrepreneur. And because I don't think it's enough also for us to just think about these things, you know, we need to put things into action and make changes and do things differently if we want to see the world become a different kind of place. And so, that's, uh, you know, for me, it's like, what, if there's anything I'm not looking at, I want to know what that is, because I want to start learning about it. And there may be things that I'm inspired to go ex to extreme depths in and other things that I just look at on the surface. But, you know, connected to my work in education over the many years, what I realized a long time ago is that you know, mastery doesn't come from hyper-specialization in any sector or any one part of our lives. If you talk to, you know, a master fisherman, which is my favorite example, you know, he can talk about life and relationships and, you know, give you advice based on all of this wisdom that he learned from the sea. And even though he's doing it from the boat and on the sea, he's applying that wisdom of the sea and the interaction with the ocean to all kinds of different facets of life. And I think we find this in you know, many of the teachings around the world where it's not one perspective that gives the whole, but seeing the different facets of the crystal, looking at all the different angles and rays of something. And I believe that's also a process of peacemaking because it means we start to be able to see how and why different people see things and see the world the way they see it. And if we can't accept that and be open to that and understanding of where different people are coming from, then we are constantly caught in the conflict of holding our pole and being in binary opposition to some other force or some other person. Yeah, that's a really... Sorry, Sinead. 
I, it just makes me think of, um, I think we talked about this with Gwant when I last had a chat with you, Adam, about a year ago, because this particular conversation around duality and wholeness is something that is such a part of our human evolution. Like what, it, what does wholeness actually look like as opposed mm. to what we've been taught to think that it looks like? And yeah. that, that kind of wholeness, in our view, the three of us that are here right now, and hopefully our listeners as well, wholeness really means embracing, as you were just saying, you know, all of the so-called good and bad, like all of the different aspects of life. And rather than trying to judge them and categorize them and put, to, put them into sections to make use of all of them. So how can you, like to the average person who's listening right now, because you're, we're talking some bigger concepts today, which we definitely want to do. We don't want to shy away from that, but again, we want it to land for the average person as well. So what is an example of something that you've experienced in your life that has helped you wake up to that on a personal level? Because of course we can learn these things cerebrally, mm. but unless they really land in our body, we don't fully understand them. So for you on a personal level, what was an experience you had that made you go, oh, that's what wholeness is. Oh, okay. Did it mm. happen early in life? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say um, probably it was around my, what I frame as my kind of awakening when I was 15. Um, and I'll say that before that experience, before that period in time, um, I faced a, a lot of difficulty in different kinds of social fields. I, I went through some deep family trauma. I lost my stepmom in a car accident. My dad really got pretty shattered and my stepbrother was driving the car and he lost his fiance in the car accident. And um, this was around the time I was uh, 10 and I was sort of thrown into a a, I'd say a deeper and more mature sense of inquiry from that event happening in my life. And that sense of inquiry, as well as my mom moving across the country, losing all the friends I grew up with, sort of put me directly in the face of, you know, what is truth? What is real? What is the point of all of this? And, and I really felt strongly that the kinds of ideas and things that I was learning in school were in many ways antithetical, meaning like up in opposition to me actually understanding everything. Um, and, and many teachers like couldn't answer my questions. They'd be frustrated if I dug any deeper than the surface of the curriculum. Um, and I found myself, uh, you know, essentially feeling fairly depressed, you know, witnessing in, in middle school, um, you know, popularity essentially aggregating around whichever guy is the biggest, you know, jerk, essentially, right? And, and like, why is that the person that everybody's following? Is it, is it like, like some level of this independence that they have in feeling like they can be abusive to everybody else around them, right? Like, what, what is that about? Like, you know, and went into high school and essentially in my freshman year, pretty much retreated into myself a lot, mostly just observed people and patterns. And I would go home and essentially study things on the internet, you know, learn how to, you know, pick locks and do ninja things and, you know, turn on and off cable systems and hacking a little bit, you know, and things like that. Um, 
And I was really firmly kind of in the space of, of deep discovery and self-development when a friend of mine and I essentially started hanging out and he was a couple of years older than me. And we would philosophize about the whys that school wasn't bringing to us, you know, that we weren't getting from anywhere else. And that essentially led to a discovery of my human energy body. And when I felt energy flowing between my fingertips for the first time and, and saw it, I could see these tangible vibratory strings between my fingers. It was like suddenly I realized that it's possible for me to discover something more fundamental and key to the universe than anything I'd ever learned in school, something more fantastic, something more amazing. And and somehow it's completely missing from everything I'd ever learned. No teacher ever pointed out. No one ever pointed it out to me, right? Like, why? How is that possible? We all have bodies, right? And, and then I realized that everybody just kind of relegated it to the background, you know, like thinking, oh, well, you know, I felt it when that person was looking at me from across the room. Huh. Strange. <laughs> moving on you know or like oh i had this thought you know about this person and then boom they walk around the corner coincidence you know like and i started noticing that kind of behavior woven throughout the psychology of all the people it wasn't that they weren't experiencing energetic effects that we would call entanglement for example within unified physics you know, or if you go the more metaphysical route, you can call it, you know, there's telepathy, there's quantum field engagements, you know, they call it chi and ki and prana and vital force and odic force. And I, through my own work, began to realize that this was not something new I discovered. This was something that was embedded in cultures all over the world, right? And, and so I started to see that there was this sort of tiny lens that people had sort of agreed upon as what they're going to be willing to look at. And I stepped back from that lens and I saw it for what it was. And I realized, my God, there are so many other lenses. And inside of me, what happened is the, the sort of array of all the lenses began to open. And uh, that's when I had essentially you know, some of the most powerful, miraculous experiences in my entire life. Everything changed. I started to see the interconnectedness of all things. I, I, I couldn't ignore it anymore. I couldn't miss the fact that the flow of the wind blowing on my skin is coming from the wave of light that's being issued from the sun and that that wave of wind is rippling the landscape the same as it's rippling my body and it's bringing weather which is going to change the context of my situation or that you know i'm standing on a planet and the only reason i'm standing here is because i'm tr attracted literally i'm being i'm riding a flow of energetic force towards the core of the earth but that's not where it ends that same flow of force is dancing with the moon and flowing into the heart of the sun, which is flowing into the heart of the galaxy, which is flowing in the Laniakea gravitational cluster. Like we are absolutely interconnected just by letting go 
with all of these things. So I'm I'll start. My, <laughs> I'm stressing so big right now because I geek out on this so much. Like I, we share this, the three of us, you know, this sense of observing the world at a really young age and noticing things that others weren't noticing or writing off, like you said, right? After so many coincidences, it's not a coincidence anymore, right? And and you start you start to question, you start to to notice these details about our reality that were just hidden, right? For for those early years. And it, it seems like when you started to have those acknowledgments, those moments of realization, those moments of saying, okay, I see, I see how the universe works. I see what's going on here. Then boom, the universe opens more of that for you. And, and boom, you start to have the quantum entanglement in your reality with all the people, places, and situations that are meant to be part of your path or part of a higher destiny. And I I just love thinking about that interconnectedness because it's so beautiful how that works in our reality. And we had a moment of quantum entanglement not long ago that brought this to be, this connection, this this day and time. And I, I wanted to share it with the audience briefly because I think it is so beautiful to recognize and understand these sorts of quantum soul connections that occur between souls or how, you know, ancient, you know, uh, situations, times, then come back around in this time and place. And it kind of seems like that's what's what's happening now with so many people and, and why this conversation is happening today. So a couple of months ago, we were, I think, part of a workshop with Portal to Ascension, we had not met before. Um, I'd heard of you through some, you know, mutual friends that that we have that we now know about. Um, but but we were overlapping in that workshop, and so you were ending your presentation. I was coming on, and as you were presenting about, I think it was the Syrian civilization. This I think this was a, converse, a conversation about the star races and, and galactic civilizations. And as you were presenting about Sirius and the Syrian civilization. I was having these moments of connection to visions I had had long ago that I couldn't place yet. And, and so it was connecting for me that some of what you were sharing was reflecting that vision for me. And then as you came, or as I came on screen, you then reflected to me what you felt. I, do you remember that moment? Do you yeah, want to share, share that moment? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty, pretty epic because you, you just literally showed up and I'm like, oh, great. There's, there's one of my elven family right there, you know, <laughs> about to take over the torch here. Um, yeah. I mean, I immediately felt and recognized you and it was just, it was, you know, in your presence. And, you know, the thing about recognizing people, it's, it's not just like a quality of familiarity and appearance. It's like there's a, a feeling sense of knowing, a feeling sense of connection. Um, and, and then there are like physiological little similarities or certain things that you notice too. And, you know, in working with essentially many star nations for a very long time, I also started recognizing that depending on which star systems you've incarnated in, you've taken on an imprint essentially from the star system itself <clears throat> through the, <clears throat> the solar construct, you know, the nature of the star. Each star has 
a light imprint that is regulating the way that light develops on that planet, life develops on that planet, the, the kinds of faculties of that species. And, and there's like a clear genetic um, response to that within beings on that planet. And that genetic response and that the codex of each of those archetypal fields essentially travels through time with you as a being and uh, you know the way i look at genetics is that it's a three-way part you got your mother's you got your father's and then you've got your soul genetics your soul genome which essentially is propagating and coding into whole regions of our epigenetic system and um and into the 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 codex of the dna itself but it's it's flexible because it's constantly evolving and that is what drives in a sense many ways the genetic evolution within each of these incarnation cycles anyway that's going down another pipeline but i um i saw qualities in your appearance as well that matched some of my um the syrian qualities that i've identified and you know and then eventually i related those qualities recognizing that there are firm similarities within certain racial lines on earth to different galactic genetic lines and dug into that and was like oh wow okay got it because these are like the actual races that are essentially hybridized with the genomes and or the soul constructs of a bunch of beings from these different areas and these different planets and we've all just been intermixing you know as humans uh figuring it out what it's like to be this one species that's so so diverse such a rainbow and such a fantastic span of being yeah i love that i love that you help bring that connection between the you know biological you know dna and the soul dna and how what's in our field yeah affects how we express ourselves affects the talents and skills and all of those things that we bring into into our lives and i think it's so so cool to be able to bring that together now in this time you know and that wasn't part of our conversation for so long and um and, and i i just want to reflect too on the fact that you've had so many years now of meeting star family and soul friends and people with whom you've had these other experiences and other civilizations. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that, you know, because what we experienced isn't, isn't that unique, right? That's happening with so many people right now. And, and, and you've gained this knowledge of the star races through a lot of those experiences. So maybe you can back up and tell us a bit about, you know, how you came to this knowledge of the star races. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to, because, you know, diving straight to those levels of deep connective context is like, uh, it's always a challenge for me, because I, I like to set the stage a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, basically, I, it started, you know, back when I was in high school, and I had, I had one really powerful experience of simultaneous recall, where me and two of my bros were in a dorm room um, in UNCA, they were in college, I was still in high school at the time. And we were talking about manifestation, and the process of creation, and essentially looking at how there's a physical and emotional and and a mental component to that right essentially and and that when when your mental idea construct and your emotional feeling charge 
and a physical action are able to anchor those things when they're all in coherence together, then, you know, creation happens. And as we're literally, you know, agreeing to this co-realization that we're in conversation around, um, all of a sudden we're in this, in this crystalline temple and it felt like, it felt like the room became so thick with energy uh, that we were in this, it almost was like liquid all around us. Um, but we were, we were not in the dorm room anymore. We were in this massive crystal temple and we were standing around this pillar. And essentially we were storing that idea as a key code into this crystal pillar that we were like nesting into the planetary ley lines into the grid work of the earth. And then we're like back in the dorm room and all of us were just like, whoa. And we ended up all having dreams after this of that same place. And in my dream, I saw more of the city um, on this peninsula down to the ocean and these you know, gorgeous golden and white dome structures and towers and these long arching white bridges. Um, and I became aware that, that there was this massive tsunami coming and there were people that were walking down to the beach essentially to surrender to the ocean. And others, we had already like sent ships out. So others had like taken ships away to go. Um, and some of us like me and a few of my bros were in the temples, like anchoring the knowledge into the grid so that it wouldn't be lost. Um, and we all kind of came out of this experience and these dreams with the sense that, that this must've been Atlantis because it was very earth-like. Um, but it was, it was one place in Atlantis, clearly not like this was, it was obvious that this civilization was not one city or something, right? But it was, was like one city that we were in that was part of a whole network of cities all over the world. Um, and so over time, I started getting more glimpses of that, but I didn't, I didn't really have a powerful in, in like onboarding to the reality that this was actually a new incarnation or that I'd been reincarnating until a couple of years later when I went into college and I ended up uh, meeting this girl and uh, started essentially dating her roommate and I'm hanging out in the dorm room with with her and uh, her name was Rachel and I'm sitting across the room from her and I'm talking to two of my guy friends and I look over at her and all of a sudden I'm in a medieval ballroom and I can feel the leather straps of my ornamental armor. I can smell the oil lamps. I can feel the mustiness of the tapestries. She's like giggling and her hair is up and she's in this dress. And I like know that she's like my love in this, this time, you know, and I'm speaking with these two Lords about essentially protecting grain trade through a Valley that keeps getting like raided. And then, you know, within a minute or two, I don't know, I'm back in the dorm room and I'm speaking, I was in the middle of saying something to these two guys that I'm sitting with and they're looking at me and they're like, Adam, are you okay? And I, I literally had no idea what I was talking about to them because I had just been talking about essentially putting archers on this ridge top, like to watch this one part of this valley 
I'm like, I need to go get some water. So I, I get up and I go out. And by the way, I'm completely sober. I'm literally just having a cup of coffee in the afternoon in a do- dorm room. Okay. Just for context for the listeners. And I, I get some water. I come back into the dorm room and I look into the bathroom and Rachel's in the bathroom and she's washing her face off. And she, she looks up at me and she's like, did you? And I was like, you did too. And, and like, we had this moment of recognition that we both just had this flashback that was super intense and, and very real, you know, and I'm dating her roommate, by the way, you know, so like, uh, can't tell anybody about this. This is really weird. Don't know what's happening, but I, that started this cascade and I had all of these dreams with her. I saw her across campus and she suddenly became a Japanese woman with a basket behind her head. And I'm, you know, standing at the edge of a forest with my katana and wakizashi and, you know, samurai armor on and knowing that like her husband's beating her and I want to kill him. Like, it was just like, whoa. And then I end up at this Halloween party and all of this, I'm just kind of taking in because I just I'm like, all right, this is a whole new span of stuff I'm waking up to here that I, I, I need to actually understand this, but I don't know even how to approach it. Am I just fantasizing? Like, am I just, you know, what's, what is this, you know? And so then I go to this Halloween party and there's this guy there who I didn't really know. I mean, we, we had just met him a little bit because he was into one of Rachel's friends and essentially he gets really drunk and he gets so drunk. He then like kind of, you know, comes over to me and he starts crying and apologizing to me for all of the stuff that he did um, in this one particular lifetime. And he's calling me by my name that I remembered from that time, from one of these moments with Rachel and dreams and memories. And he's calling her by the name she remembered from that time that we had privately, not wanting to tell anybody else about this stuff, discussed because we were like, I, I like, we hadn't, didn't know how to deal with this, you know? Um, and, and I'm viscerally remembering him like, burning my villages and like coming to my castle and I'm on the thing and I'm stopping him from assaulting the castle and he comes into my courtyard and essentially we battle each other to the death and we end up killing each other and I remembered from in this moment as as he's going through it all I could feel I could feel the intensity I could feel the the life and death intensity in my nervous system and my emotional body of what we went through it wasn't it wasn't like like whoa this dude's you know drunk it was holy crap i am in this moment with him dealing with the reality of battling until we were exhausted and you know and the barely can hold on to our swords anymore and you know killing each other um and, and remembered how we killed each other and exactly the call I made and the exact move I did to try to end the battle because I knew if I didn't, I was just going to be dead, you know? Um, and um, Adam, I've got to ask you a question. Is that okay? Yeah, ask you a question sure. Yeah, I'll just say that that experience, that was the moment when I realized that I had to study this scientifically. I had to take it seriously. This was not just a fantasy. 
This was absolutely data of my, of my being, of my life. So yeah, please. Wow. Okay, well, you just answered half of my question. The other, the other half was, um, so at this point, just for context again, you're 17, right? You're 17, 18, you're in college at this point. Yeah, I'm, I'm like 18, yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. so like two, three years after your awakening. So a whole yeah. hell of a lot is happening. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, not too long after you've had your awakening, which is not altogether uncommon. Like, you know, we've had that experience as well, Jenna, where we have an awakening and then we're super heightened and other things occur. Mm -hmm. But I have never heard of somebody having three simultaneous past life regressions while awake with another person. Like that's incredibly mm -hmm. unusual. So what is that about? Have you been, have you been able to find any answers as to mm -hmm. how that specific phenomenon occurs? Because I mean, yeah. people have spontaneous past life regressions. That's not uncommon exactly, but yeah. for both people at the same time, while wide awake, I mean, that's bonkers. I please explain that. I've got to hear more. Yeah. So that's a wonderful question. Actually, that's the best question I've ever had, by the way, in response to talking about this particular journey of experience and story. Um, it's the right question to ask, like, how does that happen? And the answer is that in particular with this particular being, this woman, um, eventually after many years and i had many many more kinds of experiences like this and simultaneous recalls with many other people usually less intense <laughs> like less visceral massive full flashback kind of stuff more subtle memory familiarity and then seeing what we were doing together or things like that and i started to kind of be able to track the more subtle pulse of it right like sense into and and get a glimpse of the moment where we were connected and then open up that memory a little bit just like you do if you meet someone you knew from the past you know like like you did from our first interview with grant and and i was like oh i know you from somewhere and you're like right here and i'm like oh right there and then you like opened the memory up by looking at what you we talked about in education and things like that right that's how memory works we get one node and we expand it a little bit right. and so with with this woman rachel i essentially eventually remembered being in the Syrian star system with her. And she was my sister in that lifetime. And we chose to create essentially a soul bond with each other where we wove our uh, spectral harmonic field, what we would call like the chakric field in this, in this world, in this time. But like we wove a bond in our chakric spectral harmonic field that was also genetic uh, because we had so much, you know, self-similarity between us anyway, so that we could leave those bodies, travel to earth, get incarnated into human forms and essentially find each other and be able to trigger each other's memory of why we came to this planet and what we were doing here. And so we set this soul contract up in, in order to cause this particular event where when we would run into each other, we would trigger each other's memory. And I, I think certain people do this with each other. And oftentimes they assume it's, um, this is a twin flame, meaning you came out of source with this being and you're bonded forever. And we thought that too, maybe at first, but then over time we realized, actually, we just created this contract at one point in time. And now we have the opportunity to release that because now we're fully conscious 
of this whole cycle that we've been on. And, and we became very aware that many people and different beings have different kinds of soul bonds that they create. Like my brothers from Atlantis, we made a soul bond in a way by actually creating a shared codex with each other that we planted into the earth's energetic field. So anytime one of us would start pulling those keys out, what would happen is, you know, the universal perfection would align us to run into each other so that we could then reassemble those keys together and do that in in different times. And so this gets to kind of deep energetic esoterics, which is, is like essentially that souls can weave across time and do through shared harmonic fields, meaning vibrational energetic fields, shared thought forms, um, and shared direct intentional contracts. Wow. <laughs> I think that's um, one of the best explanations I've heard of that. And I think I think it's important to remind people that we have soul contracts with people, which facilitates that entanglement, right? And yeah. um, and I, I too have had those moments, right, of boom, like someone triggered something in me. And I too also thought that person was a twin flame. Raise your hand if you've ever mistaken someone for a twin flame. I think most of us early in our spiritual journey have done that (laughs) until you're maturing to the point where you see the whole connection, like you said. But um, thank you for sharing that. I think that's, that's a cool way to frame that up. For the audience so that so hopefully they see that you know in these other connections in their lives and see how people have triggered certain either memories or um ability to heal and transform through whatever situation happened because that's what it's all about right yeah yeah absolutely and i'll just tie a bow on this topic too by saying that you know don't discount the subtlety either it doesn't have to look like a massive flashback like what I'm describing. Like the, these were, it was an intense, I, I, I've always created situations for my being where I go straight into the fire to get, to get, you know, opened up. But it, I do it so that it's undeniable. I'm so logical. I'm so mentally oriented, you know, thoughtful about things, scientific about things that sometimes I need to have just the deep dive, right? Um, but a lot of people will just have this feeling that they know someone and and they meet someone and they're like, gosh, why are you so familiar to me? Like, I feel like we're instant friends, right? How, you know, raise your hand if you just had that experience. I mean, it's like, you have this, this connection that's pre-existing and it can go the other way too. You might meet somebody and you're like, I don't know why, but I just do not trust that person. Like, I do not like the way that feels around them. That's important information. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're willing to step back and look at the larger context of that, what you'll realize is there's a reason why you feel that way. And it's because you recognize energetically some aspect of that person. And probably in my experience, most of the time, it's because you actually were with them in another time. And if you're willing to look at that, just, just using that as a tool, as a lens, suddenly now it becomes possible for you to actually heal that karmic bond. It, it, It enables you to say, okay, 
we did something intense with each other before, or we had this amazing experience before, and now we have this opportunity to understand that better, resolve it, explore ourselves more. Um, sometimes it happens through repeating patterns in some sense, maybe not exactly, but in similar ways, or rekindling the depth of connection just to see and to know each other for who they are, which, which could lead to an intimate encounter, like really deep, you know, sexual encounter where through that mechanism, you are able to see more of who you are and they're able to see more of who they are. And then maybe that's it. Maybe that's all that needed to happen. And it's not supposed to be, you know, a lifetime relationship or a long thing. It just, you're just meeting a part of yourself you know, through them and them through you as a gift for each other to, to come into greater wholeness. That makes so much sense, Adam. And I'm kind of, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of translating in my mind some of what you're saying into 3D explanations. Like what was going through my mind just now was that phrase, a reason, a season or a lifetime, right? How people mm. come into our lives for a reason or for a season or sometimes for life. There's always some, there's always value in it. There's always something you can learn and benefit from in those situations, whether they're for a second or for months or for your life. Um, so I was thinking of that just as a way of helping it, I guess, land for the audience a little bit more deeply as well in case they need that. But also what you were saying about um, making the soul contract and having that the energy of that agreement alive within our DNA, our energetic, energetic and physical DNA, from what I understand. Um, and, you know, I was thinking, well, what if I was somebody who heard that and could not make any sense out of that whatsoever because it's intangible, our science hasn't caught up to this yet, blah, blah, blah. And it made me think, well, there are so many familiar diseases, you know, uh, this is sort of a more negative side of it, but that are, that are designed by nature to pop up at certain points in our life, just in the same kind of way. So for example, you know, schizophrenia typically doesn't pop up until someone is 13 or 14, or if you're going to get cancer because it's in your genetic lineage, there's a mapping of that somewhere on your you know, your timeline, your DNA line, and then it's going to pop up. So that's so 3D, but it, that's what I thought of when you were describing these points that activate at certain times in our lives where we meet these other people. Why can't yeah. that happen just as much as, you know, these illnesses or other things that could be triggered in our systems that we do understand within the science we currently have? I yeah. love that you took it there because the health connection is actually a really important one. Um, because essentially, you know, let's, let's take schizophrenia. This is a good one. Cause this is one that I was actually happened to be in a psychology course as I was going through these experiences. And oh. so I'm studying the psychology of schizophrenia. I happen to have a dorm mate who has paranoid schizophrenia and he's on heavy drugs at the time. Okay. And I'm having past life recall and memories, you know, with another being, right? While I'm studying human psychology. And, you know, this guy who's paranoid schizophrenic, who's my dorm mate, he, we would go out and sit in the quad and the grass, the grassy sort of main space, you know, that I mentioned before seeing her as a Japanese woman across the field at one point. And he'd sit there and he would just, look down and within a minute he would find five four leaf clovers a five leaf clover sometimes a six leaf clover 
it was like instant. He could just see them. He'd just go, he just oh, right there. No, right there. I'm looking, I'm like, how are you seeing these? Like, I can't even find one, mm-hmm. you know, but he would just, he would just go right to them. And I started wondering like, what is that? And it does this person have some kind of like deep, obviously this person has a gift, but what is the gift? So I started asking him questions about his schizophrenia experience, the visions that he saw, the things that really scared him, the issues he had. And he'd had all of these visions that when he would try to talk to his parents about them, they would be like scared and be like, that's not real. You're not actually seeing that, you know, and they, they pushed him into mental help essentially because of that. And then he's scared of it because he has no validation of it. And I started to recognize that the things that he was seeing, and I I won't get specific into the details because there's a lot of different pieces of this puzzle here, but essentially the things he was seeing, I started realizing were symbols. They were symbols for very particular things. Um, And I started giving him feedback and saying, well, what do you, what do you think that does that mean? You know, and what if, what did you know that this symbol also represents this? And he's like, oh my gosh, you're right. I totally heard that somewhere. And he started realizing that his visions and the things he saw were actually psychic premonitions and Mm -hmm. psychic intuitions. And through just that, he started actually reducing his medication. I didn't ask him to do this, by the way. It was just, he just decided to do it. And as he did, his psychic ability, his intelligence level, his clarity, like his grades, everything just went up. Like it was amazing. Like he went through some serious recovery. Um, unfortunately this individual, you know, he, he came and he started going to the big dance parties and coming out with us to, to raves essentially and stuff like that. But the part of him that since being a kid had been sort of programmed to like take this drug to have this experience or to block this experience, that addictive side that was connected to the drugs moved into other kinds of drugs. And he ended up having relapses and things like that because, you know, medications and drugs are so dangerous in so many ways, especially, you know, with the addictive side. But it it was a, a beautiful crack in the lens of modern psychology that says, look, There are energetics to these things. There are gifts inside of these things. Um, And you're talking about, you know, when things arise within somebody's lifetime. Well, 13, 14, schizophrenia starts. Well, that's the age that a kid is going to start really opening up higher chakras in their body and begin awakening psychic abilities. Right. And we don't have any initiations in our culture structured around that where we did in other lifetimes. And so you have a kid entering the initiation phase and there's nothing there. The best they've got is what the, the, you know, guy who's their baseball coach, who's a total jerk, you know, and, and mean and abusive. And he's supposed, that's supposed to be their leadership model, right. To be competing against their friends in baseball or, or like, you know, you name it, you get Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts onboarding to militaristic structures. Like we lack some of the most crucial frameworks for youth onboarding to essentially actually accept their gifts and their superpowers. Um, I so agree. I so agree. I'm relating relating to being a teacher. Like, first of all, I grew up with a psychoanalyst mother 
And so we had a lot of discussions about mental health and what that meant. And from a young age, I relate to you a lot in terms of Genevieve as well, in terms of your early life experiences, but just thinking, okay, mental illness, this doesn't feel like it's just mental illness. Like there's something about this. And I kept going back yeah. to Greek mythology and all the seers and the prophets, right? And, yes. and looking more deeply into that and looking into trends and history with people who were so-called mentally ill. And so many times they were people who were seers, who were prophets, who were trying to tell yeah. people things that would help them um, that might not have come out in you know, this so-called right way so that people were able to hear it properly. But yes, right. I very, very much agree with you. And um, I, I fully support what you're doing in education around that as well, because it's a big part of why I left public education is seeing the yeah. way that kids are programmed now. And it's, it's very much suppressing, oppressing, constricting, binding. It's not a free, it doesn't, it doesn't promote freedom of the mind or spirit in any way. So I just wanted to say that, Jenna, I'm sorry, I kind of cut you off there. For no, a that, was, that was beautiful. And I, I also just wanted to reflect on how so often those mental health issues are actually multi-dimensional issues that, again, we've not been trained or initiated into understanding. And people are having extraordinary experiences, not crazy experiences. And we need to reframe that. Our sacred geometry instructor, Nadi, you know, has a mental health background and talks about her passion around reframing that, um, that understanding. And, and I think, you know, Adam, what you were talking about around the initiation stage, for those who don't know, you know, we, we have these major life initiations we are supposed to be going through. And in many indigenous and ancient cultures, there were very specific initiation practices that would help one um, move into, you know, this multidimensional state in a way that um, you can integrate. And so I think, I think it's really important that we have that conversation and, and not to say that there is no, you know, mental illness. There certainly are cases, right, of course, where um, it's not as simple as just understanding, you know, these visions that are occurring and, and what we know about them. But, sure. but there's a lot, right? There's a lot that have just been mistaken. And, and I, think, I think it's beautiful that, that you were able to see that early in a friend and, and be able to channel that um, understanding into who you are and your work and how you educate. That's really important. Yeah. Yeah. And pointing to some of the other cases out there, you know, when you really start looking at the gamut of mental health, um, it's pretty simple. There's trauma-based mental challenges, essentially, like traumatic experience where ideas, experiences were repressed or have led to, because of uh, a psychotic behavior in someone else or a parent, led to borderline psychosis, you know, which is essentially energetic patterns. So, because when you really get down to it, it's all energy, you know, and consciousness is moving with energy. So if you learned that the way to get energy is to shame somebody else to make yourself feel better, you know, you, you people repeat that pattern or the way to get energy is to essentially act like, you know, you're helpless and you need somebody to lift you up, you know, or to be dominating. Like these are all uh, essentially in the psychology field. These are called borderline personality disorders, essentially, or the archetypes of them. Um, but they're even older than that because people like Barbara Ann Brennan, um, who wrote uh, Hands of Light and Light Emerging, NASA astrophysicist, was talking about these four 
energetic control dramas that emerged from trauma, you know, long before I ever came across any kind of BPD materials. Um, and, and, you know, these, the, the borderline personality disorder issue. And so, you know, when you, when you really start to look at mental health and societal health, it's like, you can't, you can't separate the two. You can't separate the way that our societal processes have developed, the way we deal with trauma, the way we deal with family issues, um, the way we deal with the fundamental energetic patterns that we grow up and, and learn. And a lot of us, you know, a lot of people pick up these particular patterns too from others, from friends and from constructs inside of school or inside of, you know, different community contexts. And this is all interconnected. It's a societal and cultural frame that we need to have clearly in mind when addressing mental health and recognize that also the complete lack of societal frame enabling the understanding of energy, which is fundamental to consciousness, yeah. and the understanding that there are, that there are beings that are, have consciousness that goes through time not just one incarnation necessarily right and and the fact that like we are living evolving beings completely in interaction with our environment you know and also processing genetic stuff through our ancestral lines like unless you start incorporating those things into our psychological framework and mental health framework there it, you're not going to solve these problems yeah. period yeah. you're not because you're not even looking at the whole picture at all. And, and that's why holistic therapies and all alternative, quote unquote, alternative therapies are so important, right? Like we know now, right, through like past life regression as an example, there have been so many spontaneous physical, emotional, mental issues that have, you know, resolved because yeah. of going back and changing the energy in the field, right? That's essentially what you're doing, right? You are shifting yeah. the data in the field, which then has an effect on your, you know, physiology, your, your physical human. And, and so it's important people know that what we have brought in and what might be in our ancestral line or lineage can be changed. We can change that, but we have to look at it from that holistic perspective. And you know, I, I just want to share with the audience one very, very brief and minor example from my life. I had pretty severe anxiety for many years, never could put my finger on where it was coming from. And I was also scared to talk about it because I knew that people who were close to me would recommend that I get medication. And that didn't feel right at the time, but I didn't know what the answer was. Fast forward, you know, going through the spiritual awakening and, you know, accessing lots of new information to un unlock this with. When I went through a past life regression, sure enough, I accessed a memory that was contributing to that anxiety in this lifetime. And as soon as that understanding was found in my subconscious, as soon as I was able to connect the dots on that, that issue resolved for the most part. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the root, right? You got to the root of it. And and there are plenty of situations where the roots of, of these patterns are in this time, in this life, from childhood, from certain events and experiences. There's plenty of powerful, solid, you know, data that backs that up and experience that backs that up. And occasionally, it's not from this time. And, and that often deals with more advanced topics, too. Um, I 
I literally can't tell you how many women I've met in my life who had to go through a period where they were terrified of this power that they knew they had um, because they started essentially having memories of being killed for it, being burned at the stake, for example. And, and like the, the internal nervous system fear of tapping into the power of, of a plant, you know, an herbology or the, you know, some of the, the gifts of this field of energy that they feel coming from the earth and connecting them to trees or connecting them to the land, um, essentially bringing up terror because this power and this magic inside of them was at one point used as an excuse to kill them, you know, by religious persecution. And, and that's just one example. There are many others like that, but, um, but, you know, I've, I've met so many women that have had to go through that process of healing and recovery from that, um, which has made me, you know, a strong speaker on, on sovereignty and understanding, reclaiming the past and really accepting and acknowledging the kinds of societal traumas that we have imposed upon each other on this planet and, and beyond this planet, by the way, Um, and getting to know that, that aspect of ourselves, I think is truly the most foundational and most important piece of finding a way to a future where we are in peace and in connection and in sovereignty in ourselves and have healed our relational dynamics at a planetary scale. It requires us to accept the past, to receive the gift of the lessons of the past and acknowledge and take responsibility and heal together. All right. Well, part one with Adam is wrapped up and part two is coming next. So if you liked part one and want to tune in for even deeper conversation in part two and some more conversation about the galactics and our galactic civilizations, tune in to the next episode. And for anyone who's curious about the galactic civilizations and the star races since we started to get into some of that conversation check out our meet the star races course where we share uh, high level information about a lot of the different races that are out there how they're in contact with earth what they want with earth and what we can learn from them yes yeah it's a really fantastic course Highly, highly recommended to anybody who would like to gain more knowledge and comfort with what is out there because there's a a bit of a fear-based narrative about it. And we're really trying to break that down and help everyone understand that um, there are many, many ETs that are here to help us. So Adam is part of that. He's got a wonderful part two coming up where he talks about a little bit more about his intergalactic experiences and why those have been such a focal point in his life and part of his development. We really hope you enjoyed this conversation with Adam. We think he is something else and we really can't wait for you to join us for part two. It takes us deeper into Adam's experiences and you're just gonna love it, we know that. So please like, subscribe, share with your friends and family, join us on YouTube. Um, leave us comments, leave us questions, tell us what you loved, what you'd like to hear more of, and rate us on your uh, podcast apps if that's what you're using to listen to us on. But either way, join us. We're building an amazing community here and we want you to be part of it. 
Thanks everyone for tuning in. We'll see you next time in part two of Adam's episode. <laughs>